Hi, Steve. Hello. Hi, how are you? I have got a lot of questions for you this week. All right, uh, but not but, a quiz. Questions, uh, but not a quiz? Yeah, no quiz, no quiz. Okay, cool. Um, you, you, hey, you're the one who came up with this show's discussion points this week. So this show is brought to you by Steve, the letter S for Steve. Well, in fairness, I typed it when I was south this weekend, and there are a lot of texts that I'm not sure I remember from this weekend. So hopefully this is good. Uh, no, yeah, you, you yeah, well, I will say normally I would be like, oh, you you call. Actually, I'll save that story. You will save that story for later on when we get to that point in the show. Um, anyways, this is the stuff Summer says podcast with Steve. Did I say is it the stuff Summer says podcast or the stuff Summer says show? You said podcast. Okay. I don't now you said it again, so if people are listening. They should have the message. We're changing our name. It's a branding change. No, we're not. No, it's not. Um, Okay, Steve, we've got a, a, a very good show, all brought to you by you. Um, you want to talk about the football game? I thought game? it was by S. Oh, oh. Talk uh, about what? The letter S, which <laughs> Ohio State's band did. Wow, we are off to a great start tonight. Uh, Ohio State's band did a Sesame Street thing this weekend. Um, so we're going to talk about the, the Penn State-Ohio State football game. Steve's little mini vacation to Nashville to watch some hockey. Um to talk about a couple things related to Penn State media. There's some happenings. Um, and then we've got old guy, young guy. Um, one that you came up with. So I, once we get there, I'll let you tee that up. Uh, Steve, have you watched any of the football game? Did I you did. watch any back, of it? Went back you, and watched it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. So this will be a pretty informed discussion. Um, because you know, our discussions are always very informed. My coaster is stuck. To, that is a problem. Stu- no, it's stuck to my table. Um, <laughs> That's even worse. And now I got to reach extra farther for my beer. Um, so uh, I point blank went into Saturday's contest thinking that it was going to be probably 20, let's see what it would have been, 2013 bad, which was the. 63 to seven. I, I really did. I didn't think Sean was healthy at all. I didn't think that and state had a chance. And yet the whole time the game is happening, I'm sitting there, they've got a chance to win this. They've got a chance to win this. <laughs> and you know what, like all things considered, like, I think there were some people that were pissed off. And I think there's just always going to be pissed off people anytime you lose. But I think everybody kind of took everything good everything in stride, everything in, yeah, we didn't win. Nobody really expected Penn State to win. That's okay, because we can clearly see that the ship is starting to sail back in the right direction. Um, I think the defense played great. I, for the most part, thought the offense played good. I still think there's, and I'm not telling you anything that nobody already does know. I still think there's offensive line issues. the biggest thing to me, though, that I've been thinking about and, and, and pondering as a takeaway from this game is the whole thing about Penn State having Saquon was that Saquon was going to be 
kind of sort of in the same way uh, Deshaun Watson was at Clemson of a, a, a player that can change the program and then also open up that pipeline where then you have a Trevor Lawrence and we all kind of sort of thought DJ Uglele was going to be that it guy. And I kind of sort of thought that that was going to happen with the running back situation. And I don't know if it, maybe it has happened. It just, we're not seeing the results because it's actually the cause of something else, but it is very fascinating to me that this is the biggest issue for Penn state for the last three seasons is they really, since Miles Sanders has left, they have not had a running game. And even when Miles Sanders was in town, I mean, they, Miles Sanders was a very good athlete, very good football player. I'm glad to see he's doing well in the NFL, but I didn't really. And I think that's where we're stuck. I think that is where Penn State is, is I think maybe if, if Penn State has more of a running game, not necessarily like a 250-yard run, running game, but a 150, 175-yard rushing game, I think Penn State wins on Saturday. It's a weird take it up. No, that's good because I, I think you're right about the Saquon perspective. I, I came out of it thinking, God, how could that team have looked, had played that game, played at Illinois? Like, how did that team do that at Illinois? I mean, that, that just makes 100%, that loss 100% that. all the worse. Because um, if they do something half decent or just survive themselves against Illinois and win, then this doesn't feel quite as bad. Um, and this doesn't feel that bad. And, and the running game, yeah, I mean, beginning of the season, it was, hey, the running backs pretty deep room, whatever else. I think expectations for Noah Kane were too high. And we didn't talk about it early, but he was just back too soon from the surgery, right? Like, I just think everybody, everybody when somebody's back thinks they're good. And then that injury seems to take longer unless you're Superman to, to really hit your, hit your stride. Um, and I think since they, since Penn state's been in the big 10, I think the most, maybe not consistently troublesome, but the unit on the team that has, been most often a problem is the offensive line like since they've been in the big 10 the years when the offensive line has been dominant have been rare and and they've been good as a result otherwise it's been like oh they don't they don't have the linemen to to compete with whatever and i and i think that the trouble still starts up front this season although the backs are are still problematic sorry go ahead no no go ahead it's very fat what's very fascinating to me about that the whole time has been that Number one, you look at the rest of the Big Ten and Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, pretty much anything about where they eat corn syrup all day, every day. (laughs) You know, that has been very much like their MO. And it's it's surprising for all of the talent, all of the whatever that is in this kind of neck of the country where you've got Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, um, Virginia, certainly that there hasn't been more of that. And I don't know why it is, um, but, uh, you know, and it's like, I don't even think it's a coach. I mean, I think it is a coaching thing per se, but I don't think it's a coaching thing because you look, you've got, you have now three, well, four, if you count Tom Bradley head coaches, you've got, um, you know, numbers of numbers of offensive line coaches coming in and out at some point there, it's got to work. And I, I don't know. I don't know. I really think I, I think that the combination of the, the run game not being what we ex- not necessarily expected. I feel like we maybe hyped it up a little bit. And just the mehness of the offensive line is, is really what is, I think, in a lot of ways, probably 
stalled this season now. The the shot you could make the case that the Sean Clifford injury, yes, that you know, I think if Sean Clifford doesn't get hurt, whatever's happening in that reality, I think Penn State's probably a seven one, maybe an eight no team right now. Uh, but I think a lot of that just is weird to think about. And I think everything right now with Penn State football feels weird. Yeah, I think that the mehness of of the running game is is, is pretty good summary. I mean, I, I, it's just incredible, and, it, and it's simple. You know, it's something fans understand. It's something that we think we understand about football. Yeah, they can't run the ball. Why, why is that? Um, and and the the reasons are apparently numerous, but not fixable during the season. So it's 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 frustrating that way. Um, but I think it, it's the line, and, 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 and I don't know if the backs are underperforming. Maybe we expected too much, but it just did feel like they just can't, there's nothing reliable there in the running game, and, and that's a shame, and um, something that's going to still hurt them for the rest of the season going forward, I think. This is a weird take that I also had thinking about the game. Um, I feel like for a lot of James Franklin's losses, maybe coaching – indecisions have, have have cost him games or just coaching decisions have cost him games saturday's loss felt like the first time in a long time really since maybe 2016 where the i felt like it, the players lost the game i don't think they did anything that cost them the game but they're just were little decisions here or there that kind of messed things up um and, you know, I think, again, I'm not blaming Sean Clifford because I thought he played great, but the, the interception or even the offensive line fumble, um, you know, I think those are those are kind of two two big plays there. And those were really what cost Penn State the game. Not, not James Franklin called a great game. I thought Mike Yersich played called a great game. I, I thought for the most part the defense played great. It was just Tariq Castro-Field's little missed tackle that went for 75 yards those types of little things like that get magnified twice as much when you're playing an Ohio state or a, a whatever team. And so I think that's where that showed up. Yeah. And, and, and it goes back to what, two or three years ago, that difference be the difference between great and elite or good and elite, right? Like those little things that, and especially in college football, there's, it is, it perfection matters, right? Every little thing matters because you almost you have to you know, almost have to be you have to be undefeated to be considered among the, the top teams in the country at the end of the season. So those little slips get magnified and do matter. So yeah, and I, and I think you're right. I think there was some execution stuff that felt like okay, if it would have just gone another way, things would have been different. And and with Ohio State, that's been the case, right? You you, you steal something and you live on that victory for a couple of years, or it's just it feels like it's just short time and again um a couple other random musings i i've truly long said that uh, kind of ohio state is the gold standard in the conference for facilities and everything else and i, I ranted about this on twitter so if you saw it there sorry um but for me the most fascinating part about saturday was their field and, and, and i don't know if it shows up on tv their field no longer looks scarlet in person. And maybe it was just magnified by all the people wearing scarlet, but the fact their field almost looks pink, like the red on their field. And that was just kind of very surprising to me for a school that is proud that pride themselves on image look 
um, you know, over the years. So I thought that was interesting. Um, the tailgating scene in Ohio State in Columbus is still awful. Um, just go to High Street. Um, the only problem with High Street that we learned is nothing opens until 11 a.m. And we were naturally there a little earlier. So we found one place that was open at 10 a.m. that we found, you know, but. Um, and uh, that's pretty much about it. There you go. Tailgate, don't tailgate there and go to places, but go know you're going to go late. Good advice. Um, anything else, Steve, you want to discuss about the football game? No, glad it's over. Glad it was a little better than it was, other um, than what it was expected. Um, and glad it wasn't, you know, lopsided, because I think that's good for the mentality of the fan base in some ways. I was just going to ask, do you feel like it's, things are better now? Like, do you feel better about the trajectory of this season? No. I'm, like Are you said, still pissed off about Illinois? Oh yeah, like Illinois was just just t- horrible now, right? When you see this, mm-hmm. and you see good, and I appreciate that with with anybody in their in their job, let alone student athletes, with the, the distractions they have and the, the the ability to look ahead or maybe not take somebody seriously, that loss is just going to be a bad loss for a long time. I mean, even if they win out, if they win out, that's going to be an even worse loss, right? Like, so it's just going to be one of those things that lingers there that people have talked about bad games for, for years. Cause that's how it goes. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel, I feel there's less panic and less jumping off, you know, in craziness as a result of playing better against Ohio state. Um, and as long as they take care of get business against Maryland, um, at least in some way that they should, or we think they should, I think that would be great. I agree. All right, Steve. As we discussed last week on the podcast, you went on a little vacation. Um, and by the sounds of it, you had a great time. So do you want to tell the class about your weekend in Nashville? So the Penn State hockey team played in Nashville mm-hmm. at what I um, thought was a neutral site game against North Dakota in, in the Hockey Hall of Fame game in Nashville. Um, turns out, in fact, not a neutral site game. Basically a North Don't Dakota... You? basically a North Dakota home game. Um, I mean, but I guess I don't, I don't know that part of it. I didn't, it's one thing for the fans to treat it as a home game and they travel so well, but the game was, it came with all of their commercials and promotions between quarters or between periods. It came with their cheerleaders. It came with their band. It wasn't as if it was not a neutral site game where both teams were introduced the same with a pregame video. There was a cool little pre-produced. It was, North Dakota's pregame video. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Now the Penn State one will come, right? No, not at all. Public address announcer from North Dakota. Like everything was, it was their game. And I guess, you know, the Hockey Hall of Fame's happy because they travel. They'll take their money at whatever neutral site it is. Um, but fun game. Arena is pretty much sold out with 14,900 people. Um, and 14,500 of them were wearing green and white. For North I was just going to ask, what was the split? Oh God, it was 5% to 90. I have never been in an event where Penn State was so poorly represented. And, and not, I mean, North Dakota just bought all the tickets, showed up and traveled. Um, their fans were friendly and nice before the game and after the game for the most part. Um, hey, where are all your friends? How come there aren't more people here from Penn State? <laughs> um, you know, we just all shucks. This is impressive. You guys travel well. It's really cool. This is the greatest thing ever. Um, and then the game itself, I, I'm, I haven't had time to really think about it, but I think I have to now reorganize. Well, I do have to reorganize my list of 
best Penn State sporting events ever seen in person because they won against the number six team in the country in what was it a road game and, and they played they played well it was a fun game um yeah it was a cool experience that way we had we had we had tickets near where the families were so that was kind of neat to be with those people experiencing that um so it was it was a good game and and a good trip it was you know kind of fun to watch i mean but it was have you been to nashville before mm-hmm. like all the bars row upon row and below broadway i mean there were bars that i mean Every bar was full of people in green and white before the game. I mean, packed. Well, because you called me on Thursday night. Yep. Because I was watching Thursday Night Football, and you said, I have never been so outnumbered at a quote-unquote neutral site game. Most of them were in by – most of them were in by Wednesday. Some had been there Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday. A couple more came Friday. Um, and it was a vacation for them. And, and, you know, as it was, had a long weekend for us, too. But they came intending to party. One one woman told us, I, you know, we were talking to them about how impressive it was. She said, that's what we do, hon. We, we come to place, come to places, win hockey games and drink bars dry. And I'm like, OK, well, and she was like 62. <laughs> like she was an old lady who was just like and everybody was representing their colors. Everybody was whatever. Um, there was no there was one in the stands, one mean you know, guy going back and forth, one Penn State person kind of grumpy um, with some hand gestures. But otherwise, it was mostly a, a a fun hockey knowledgeable good crowd but it was it was impressive like it was it was pretty cool and it was also pretty cool that that, that Penn State was the first one to beat him in a while which was they were very surprised like I think a couple of the more knowledgeable fans were like ah oh, we're young we'll see how this game goes whatever else but then when it started playing out that way I think they're like well what this isn't this is not how this the script's is, supposed yeah. to go um We'll get to overarching Penn State hockey chat here, chatter here in a second. But uh, my first question for you is, how is Bridgestone Arena? I always see it on TV. I always hear people have a good time. I always hear it's a nice arena. Um, what was it like for you? Yeah, it was it was clean, wide open um, concourses. Um, ironic. Uh, no, I guess the seats weren't green. They had towels made. They had their own. They had towels for the the hockey Hall of Fame game towels. Also green. You know, so just, um, yeah, no neutral site to it at all. Um, but yes, a good arena, good sight lines. Um, I was looking for the, for the stage. It took me a second to get oriented to see the end where they stick the bands mm-hmm. or whatever when Nashville does its introductions. Um, cool, just because it's newer than places I've been in with the colors on the, above the dasher boards, like, you know, between the glass that could change colors of the, of the LED lighting and mm-hmm. things like that scoreboard was big and then it had the underside of the scoreboard lit too so like on angles so if your seats were lower that worked um it was good i mean everything amenities wise was nice um yeah, it was a nice place to go see a game and it's right in the heart of i mean it is right in the heart of lower broadway downtown so that's it's what right i heard there. it's you pretty much walk down the end of the street and it's right there yeah um yeah. okay cool cool um let's see what else that's about it about Nashville. Um, let's let's discuss Penn State hockey because I, I think there might be something special happening there. Um, they are now seven and one. They do have that one mad loss to Canisius, I think it was Canisius or Niagara, one of those two schools. Um, but you know what? Like again, like I said last week, so next 
this season is technically, I think, the 10th season of Division I hockey at Penn State. They still haven't won a national title yet. They still haven't reached a Frozen Four, which I think really that Frozen Four is the goal uh, for, for the program right now. Um, but you know what? Like, it is amazing how competitive they have, have become and how it really has become a respectable program. We're, I, the one thing that I wanted to ask you was, I remember early on in the early days of Penn State hockey, it was very much like, oh, you're still the new kid on the block. That was, I think, the first time Penn State's played North Dakota. Did you get those vibes from those fans? Were they like, oh, you're still a new program? Or were they kind of beyond that point? No, I think some of the the longer, I mean, because at some point it did get a little old, <laughs> you know, and I was like Googling, on, making some Google stuff to see, you know, when was the last time, right? So they haven't won their, they haven't won a national championship in 20 years, even though they've been good. It's been right. So, right. so that would be the thing. Like we would talk to somebody and, and Susan has a little bit less patience for, for jabber than I do. Right. And, and, and some people are like, Oh, you know, you guys, like, well, you know, it's, you know, it's been 20, you got, we're only 10 years old, but it's been 20 years since you guys have won a national championship. Right. Right. And again, a couple of people like, well, yeah, that's true. Um, I think they were surprised. I think, of the 14,000 people there, I think there were 10,000 people surprised that the cute little program that was was here for us to like beat up on didn't play along with the script and at the level of play was better than they thought. And I and what was interesting and, and, and not a surprise, but because we were near the parents, the um the players that weren't playing were talking to some of the North Dakota players, right? Who might have maybe they're on a club team or they knew somebody. So there was a relationship there. I mean, and I'm not surprised by the quality of player, the quality of players, because Penn State has a lot to sell, has a great conference, guys, a good coach, maybe much better than good. And, you know, so I think I think some people were surprised, but I, I think there was a portion that, that knew the investment that was in the program and what's there. Um, and they're certainly proud of what they have. You know, you should come to our arena, 12,000 seats. It's a great place, blah, blah, blah. But it's all, it's the only thing they have and that's everybody's invested in it. Right. So I, I think that's something that, that it's a mindset of like, why aren't they as invested as us? And, you know, their football isn't our football, their basketball isn't our, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I think there were some people who were a little surprised, but I don't think they were overly shocked. I just think they thought this game was going to go a different way. They mm -hmm. seemed very respectful of the program and the team. Um, and I chalked that up to some knowledge on their part about college hockey. Um, yeah, you kind of answered my next question. So I'll skip that question. It was just kind of how, what is their reticence for, for college hockey? Um, overall, I've never, I, I've done one neutral site Penn state basketball game. Would you like to see Penn state do more of these types of events? Um, where, you know, you go somewhere and you watch them or, or was this kind of like a one-time thing? You're like, yeah. It would depend on where it is. I mean, the, the lure of this one was was Nashville and the game. So, I mean, it was a nice combination. I mean, uh, our oldest daughter lived there for a while. And we just didn't get a chance to visit till she moved back as much. So it's a cool city to visit. It was fun. Um, I was tired Sunday when it was all over. Like that was, you know, three late nights for the old guy, you know, so that was time to be done. Um, I don't know where it is that I'd go. Um, I mean, I don't know that I'd go to Vegas to see a game against – whatever and new york city doesn't hold i mean this this for me was the perfect storm i think for others if it, if it can get some fans and and travel the tough part is during football season i don't know that was, a lot of people are going to travel with penn state hockey i, I think I their core group was there 
that's kind of what I was thinking about was with like this game could not have fallen on a worse date for Penn State. Right. Like, like, it, like it, if it had been next weekend, perfect. Great. Like, I think people are okay with missing the well, Maryland probably isn't a good example. Michigan State or Illinois. Um, you know, I think for me, I don't know. I, for me, like I, I'd be interested to see what other Penn State would have done um, if this was a January, February game. I guess Nashville in February is probably. I think. Well, I think the game, the, the event, hockey wise, that would 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 geek me or get me excited, and I think as it would many more fans would be in Beaver Stadium, right? I mean, having seen this, and again, I was pulled off logistically by other people, but if Penn State could find a way to do Beaver Stadium in a way somehow in conjunction as people have talked about for a decade now with the winter classic or something. I think if they found a way to do that, I think that would be the special event that would get me excited. Or if they were to play Robert Morris in Pittsburgh around a winter classic or, you know, Princeton and Philadelphia around a winter classic, that might be something that's, that's more exciting than an actual destination game, at least for me personally. There were rumblings. I remember both of the there's there, there's been two outdoor games in the state of Pennsylvania. There was the Philly game and then there, at the link and then there was the the game at Heinz, the second game at Heinz Field. And there were rumblings about Penn State playing in one of those. But I, I forget what the reason was they couldn't make one of them work. And I know that Robert Morris, I think Robert Morris had like the first pick or whatever of the, the Pittsburgh game, which makes sense. They're, they're the hockey college hockey team in Pittsburgh, so that makes sense. Um, all right, I just want to pick your brain on that. Uh, did you did you have a Nashville hot chicken sandwich? I did. It was just okay. I didn't get it at the right place. Just okay. Okay. It was. I got it. I got it Sunday at like um, Old Red, who's Blake Shelton's bar and restaurant. It was okay. I should have got it like some local pit place, you know, off the beaten path. But we didn't leave Broadway much, so um, yeah, it was just okay. I, um, I, I might go back to try that. Did you see anyone famous? Well, it was Halloween. I saw lots of famous people in costume, oh. but no, no sightings. Nobody stumbling over, showing up at their bar. Nobody downtown that I knew that was whatever. And there were apparently famous people in in town that we that we didn't see by you know being at the wrong events. There were some conferences and it was the 5,000th this was the weekend of the 5,000th Grand Ole Opry show and we were, did a little tour behind the scenes tour the day before so so we did that we did the, the Country Music Hall of Fame and did our tour there and I did my little geeky pictures with the people I like or the the displays of people I like and we had a good time uh, you did send me a picture from Vanderbilt's football stadium how was how was that, what we, was that we like? walked into Vanderbilt's football stadium on Sunday the, the house that James Franklin used to build his resume and we had a very good at analogy. Um, it was, it was, it, it's always interesting to go to places where the stadium's in the middle of like town. I mean, there, there's nothing around it. I mean, there's lots of stuff around it, there's no open space around it. Um, but a cool little open end stadium, neat to see, neat to whatever, right on the other side of the backside of the baseball stadium where their, you know, national championship baseball team plays and whatever else. And but I mean, right in the heart of campus hundred yards in the frats and sororities and whatever else. It's always neat just to see that kind of stuff at a different place. That that's always wild to me is when they're truly in the heart of campus. Um, 
Minnesota, or not Minnesota, Wisconsin Camp Randall is literally like across the street of the frat houses. And I think that's pretty neat. Um, that would be kind of nice uh, to, you know, well, I, I didn't want, I don't want to be in a frat, but you know, it'd be nice to roll out of bed. Yeah, no, that, that's what this was too. And it was, there was a hotel overlooking the stadium. So I'm sure the rooms face in the stadium, right? They get, they get a premium on, on football weekends and yeah, it was a cute little, you know, but it, you know, and, and, and when you see that kind of stuff, you know, why programs like that are always just going to be average, you know, to good mm -hmm. if they're even lucky because they just don't have the resources and the thing, if you're a kid that somehow got offered by Vanderbilt and Alabama, there's no way you're making the wrong decision on that. When you go look at yeah. the two places. Hey, academics are important, Steve. I'm sure they are. Uh -huh. um, always college athletes. Especially, especially to Alabama football players. Exactly. Um, it. Um, what? Hey, you know what? There have been plenty of people that have gotten great Alabama degrees. Joe Namath, for example. We, Ironically enough, we took an Uber with a dude who went to school with Joe Namath that like, apparently knew him when he was in Alabama, one of our Uber drivers. <laughs> But the mistake was talking to him, he, he missed the turn. So yeah, well, I've the, done that before. Oh yeah, yeah, you're from you're from wherever. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh there's your turn. Here's your exit, bud. Exactly. Like at some point, I'm like, stop talking to people. Like they're gonna like twice it happened to us. I'm like, this is why I don't talk to people because I need them to get me from here to there, and that's it. Sounds like Steve's life lesson there is don't talk to strangers. There you go. Um all right. Steve, we've got a couple of things on the Penn State Media Beat to discuss. Um, I'm going to let you begin. So that. don't talk to strangers is actually a, a cool transition, sort of like, and we had talked last week about what happens in an off week and what doesn't happen in an off week. And then Audrey Snyder goes, you know, goes out to Ohio and, and watches Drew Aller play and, and, and all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that, I don't know, it doesn't feel like happens enough. And I, and I don't, and I, and I, as I say that, I know I have just, try to do the work for other people or, or dismiss their work. And I don't mean that that way, but there's only so much people care about, or at least uh, there's only so much I care about, about depth charts and why the running game struggling and whatever else. At some point, give me a story to read, give me something different. And, and I, I think that's at least the second time this year, if you count the Villanova trip that she's done something like that. And I think that stuff's great. Like I, for me, that's exciting to see because I don't try to consume it all. I'm looking for some highlights and some different stuff and I think that stuff stands out when it happens. So it was, that was fun for me to see. It's funny to me how recruits get attention. There are certain recruits over the years that like Saquon, perfect example. I, I don't remember. I don't even remember Saquon committing. And then you've got someone like a, Trace McSorley, which at the time, like when he committed to Penn State, that was right when 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 Franklin, um, you know, came to Penn State. That was I remember that being like a bigger commitment. And then there was um, Paris Palmer and and Sterling Jenkins. They were supposed to be like the saviors of the offensive line. Going back to the offensive line, and I, I remember all this buzz about them. But I do not remember buzz like this before about Drew Alar. Like this is insane. I think I am. I am, I'm actually starting to be a little stressed that we're <laughs> we're as a fan base just putting too many marbles in that basket. Like uh, that's what I'm. I'm starting to get worried at. Um, but 
like you said, when you when you do have somebody that is supposedly like this, this is what you want as a fan. This is what you want to see. Um, and I think it's I think I thought think that's interesting. I, I think that, you know, the attention that he's getting is interesting. And I just th- that's been very fascinating storyline to develop out of the season is is the the eggs and all the baskets that we're putting on, on Drew Alar in the future. Yeah, and 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 you're gonna do all that, and then next year he's not gonna be allowed to talk to anybody, right? Um, whether he plays or not, um, which is also always an interesting thing to me from the media standpoint of like how this kid, in this case, him, but in any in, pick any kid any year, or any several kids any year can somehow do this stuff through their whole life, and then they get to college and they're incapable of by by some people's standards of having those conversations. Um, and I don't think the media is there to play gotcha with anybody, so I always think that's kind of a I don't know, a short-sighted decision until they get a chance to like work with them on talking points or, or help them navigate it. And I don't know that that's not needed, but it just seems like there's a better middle ground somewhere. And yeah, there's always a danger, right? This, this, this kid is the flavor of the next couple months and going in the next season. And no matter how this season plays out, there's going to be some way to frame a story around, okay, here this kid comes next year. What's that going to mean? Or if God forbid there's a coaching change, okay, now what's this kid going to do? Like, what can he do? You know, those kind of like, so it's going to be a lot more of, of him, I think, before the season ends or before he steps foot on campus. Um, but I do think it's good to get some hints of that. And for me, it's just sometimes better content to consume and better stories to see than some X's and O's kind of stuff, I guess. Um, yeah, I agree there. Um... I don't, I don't have anything else there on that, but I do think the other big thing that we need to talk about real quickly is the transition of Blue White Illustrated over to uh, On Three, which um, Blue White Illustrated would have been was a not was not was it Rivals, yeah, yes, right. Yep. There are yep. too many of them, um, and so uh, the guy that created Rivals and 24 7 some I, I, this must be his like way he makes money he created on three and doesn't seem like a lot is changing in terms of like the content the message boards i i, I they do are having like a dollar subscription thing so i it's a dollar um so i joined and to me what's interesting about it is it seems like people were like mildly annoyed that they change, but like, it's not really that much different. And I think people were just grumbling about change. That's probably true. And I mean, I wasn't, I mean, I would consume what, what those guys did on social. Cause I think it's a good group of guys that at least that are on the Penn state beat, good group of, of media members, but yeah. And, and I think that's a, something that's been happening and is going to continue to happen as, as the media landscape shifts. Like, you know, they, these groups are going to not pop up, but different ownership groups are going to come in and different people are going to try to find ways to make this the monetization of this work. And there's a part of me that thinks it doesn't work in the long term in some ways because the stuff keeps changing, right? Like if somebody else has got to become it, what's there? And but at the same time, for a buck for the next year, okay, I'm going to see what 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 everybody's producing. And 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 I don't know if I'm paying a hundred dollars the next year that it happens or ninety nine. Um, I think it's good that people, I think it's good for the media that people are interested in the change for good or bad or have an opinion on it because they're clearly invested and want to get the information. Um, and for us, it's, in Penn State at least, it's, it's kind of like 
the on-field product. For so many years, nothing changed about how stuff you got your Penn State information or how the team did. And now in recent years, there's been a couple changes. Um, so it's, it almost kind of reflects the program in that way sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm very interested by this on three thing. Cause I, and this is no offense to anybody that works. Here. I just, I, I still haven't understood the difference yet. I don't understand what the difference between the three are. Like, like I said earlier, I get rivals in 24 seven confused. You just, I think, I think at some point there, you're kind of sort of just paying for, for the beat writer that you want. If, right. if, if that makes sense. Like, I think that was kind of one of the perks of, of the athletic at the beginning was like, okay, my favorite beat writer, like a, a Rob Beer Temple is a perfect example of that. Someone that I read all the time, he went to the athletic. So I'm going to go start reading through the athletic now because you're right. there. Okay. I, I got to read you there. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I think it gets parsed more and more. And I think it is that it's going to be, who do you trust and where do you want to get your information from and where are they and where do you got to pay to find them? And everybody has somebody different. So the ability to get a consistent place and everybody to get the same thing is, has gotten diminished a little bit, although I don't think it's as meaningful or matters as much in say football as it does in, you know, politics or, or national kind of news. Yeah. I think if you find your real writer that you trust, there's less likely you're going to get some, some weird take or somebody who's, writing something totally different you know the, the guys at on three and, and audrey at the athletic are pretty much seeing the same reality with the team might not be the case in some other places we get some things and information yeah that's a that's a good point because lord knows there are some people out there with some takes um all right you got anything else you want to discuss really nope can't wait to see what happens and maybe we'll talk to some people next week we'll see what happens all right, all right. um all right steve you you wanted to queue up this week's old guy young guy because I so I think this was part of that text I sent to you. We were in Nashville, uh-huh. and of the sixty bars down on Broadway or seventy or hundred, however many there are, there's a live band in every one. There's a live band every couple hours in every one. They all come equipped with, typically they come equipped with two things. They come equipped with a five gallon bucket for tips and and a and a QR code for Venmo for tips which is actually good for me because Venmo doesn't work in my world, but the five gallon bucket, I know how to use. So I'm, I'm guessing you would have been Venmoing to request a song or offer okay. tips together. Like we've discussed this before. I don't carry much cash on me. Um, so I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I, I would rather Venmo. Um, I do. Let's discuss the fact. Do you, do you tip a band just because you tip a band? Like when you're at a bar do you just tip a band to tip the band or are you like me? Cause like, I don't, I don't tip a band unless they're going to play one of my songs. Like I, I got to go up there. I'm going to tip you like five bucks, but you got to play one of these, this song. So it worked. We saw a kind of boat. Well, I guess all of it was looking for, for tips to get a song. Basically the tip was to request a song or like there are no, there's no covers at any of the bars. So it was, Oh, really? Interesting. There, there weren't in any, so right. So that was, that was our way to pay the band, right? Like we didn't pay a cover charge. So the cover charge de facto went to the band because I'm not sure they're getting paid. I think they're working for the tips or whatever else too, at least was my understanding. So a little bit of both. Like if, if I thought the band was capable of playing a song I wanted to hear, right. And would play it well, like then we'd think, okay, maybe we'll tip them and ask for a song. Um, or if it was just, we had been there, didn't get a chance to tip it. We were there an hour or two. 
and we're headed back out the door, we'd probably drop something in the bucket just because they were the entertainment during the time we were there. Um, so that was, and Susan may be a little more, well, she's not maybe, she's a lot more giving that way. Hey, we didn't pay a cover, we need to give them. And I don't think we had a bummer of a band. So I don't, I don't think, I think they were all good, the places we saw, at least good in terms of cover bands at, at bars. Like, you know, I mean, they were, everybody was, was good. There was nobody that was really, as if I know music, I should say that. Yeah, like I, I'm, you know, but they're all good. Let's, let's see you get up there with a banjo. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, I, that's interesting to me. I, I never heard of that until you texted me that um, the other day, and I, I thought that was interesting. Um, I don't, I, I think I would, I don't know. I don't think I would tip with the Venmo. I think I would tip with the cash. Yeah, um, like it was easy. I mean, they the where we were there a couple of years ago they were i think they were more trusting i think they sent the five gallon bucket i ah, know he carried it so they sent it around the room but like one band member will take a break while they play some other song that they don't need him for or her and they'll carry the five gallon bucket around the room and you know you have any requests and whatever else and get their tips and um no it was it was a it was neat but we just the venmo thing's just not where we live and operate right so it was just easier to like wander up and and if you wanted to request a song, you wanted up between songs, right? And they'd lean over and say, what do you want to hear? But no, it was, it was neat. And it was just neat to see the breakdown on that. Like, cause it was more older people who had the cash, but yet there were always some, but the one guy at the one place was going to his phone and say, okay, we have, we got money from Rob to do this. Right. And then five minutes, later, oh, Rob's got another song. Rob, you're pretty much programming the whole set list. Here we go. And he'd play another one from him until somebody else sent him some money, but they were getting it from their phone there. Or if they talked to somebody in between the other way. Now, here's my question for you. Does, when you go to, to Broadway in Nashville, do they only play country music? No, no, uh -uh. no, it's okay. a different, it's not like, so if you're not a country music person, no, we went to Kid Rock's bar and that was 80s stuff. Okay. Um, you know, early nineties. Like they played a couple of 90s stuff at the one bar and I'm look, I looked at Susan, I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's not, you know, I mean, it was okay. It was just like, give me something twangy, right? Not twangy, but. You know, like it was just interesting to see every bar has its kind of its own, every band has its own thing, but every bar kind of has what it's going to do and what it's not going to do. Like I, you're not a country music person, but we were at, at Blake Shelton's restaurant Sunday afternoon. Some girl was playing there and it took me a second to get it and I should be smarter. But some woman asked for a song by Miranda Lambert. Miranda Lambert and Blake Shelton used to be a thing. They aren't. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and luckily for her, she was smart enough to say, we have a request from Miranda Lambert. Clearly you're in the wrong bar. And, and then she let it go for a second. She's like, no, nah, we'll play it. You know, so there was that piece of it kind of stuff. And that's funny. That's pretty funny. Yeah, it's kind of a, it was, a, everybody kind of gets it, which is neat. And I'm sure it can be, I feel so badly for the public safety officials down there because every night is, every night on every weekend is yes. Yes. <laughs> like, I just can't imagine. So think about God that bless with, them. with Vegas a lot. Like I've never been to Vegas. I think I'm going next year. And yet at the same time, I'm like, do they have weekdays out there? Like, I, I don't know. It's, it yeah. This like... feels, this felt a little crazier than Vegas. Cause it just, we didn't walk as much bar upon bar upon I mean, ever. I mean, it is college Avenue and every storefront is a bar is do you like did it get did you get bored like i feel like i would probably eventually get 
Yeah, but I mean, because I mean, Thursday night, yeah, well, Thursday night we got off playing good town, went, went downtown, hung out till like midnight or one, Friday, Saturday after the game. But then you just move bars though, right? Like you just move to a different place because okay. it's there's no cover charge. You find a different band that sounds interesting and some other people to watch. And the okay. people watching was uh, that, that was dull. that was my next question. Um, the 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 like top moment of your people watching experience that and did you get did you get lost in any bachelor bachelorette parties? Because that there is... seemed to be fewer of those for whatever reason we didn't see because they were blocked out by the North Dakota people. I mean, holy cow! Um, top moment the month the one I most remember was and this is. God is the father of two daughters. And, and, it, and even as a guy who would like, there was this one couple, young couple that came in that was in their mid twenties, early twenties. And they were just very affectionate to the point of like, <laughs> just go get a room. Like, you know, get your, get your hands off her while you're sitting at the bar, respect her enough to like, not be feeling her up in front of the whole place. Right. <laughs> and, and, and go get a room like that. I think that was the most memorable one just because you know um that, that and then we had some woman from north dakota who was in her early 30s and came over and she's a csi tech in the city of saint paul so she was telling us stories about like you know crime scene investigations and whatever because she was with her friends and she's like how comes you're the only penn state people in town right so we started having a conversation she's like i just want to be social so she came over and she hung out with us for like half an hour and was Seemed pleasant enough. Talked about what her kids were wearing for Halloween, who were three and five. Nice. Um, but yeah, I think the young, I mean, I remember that conversation and some other people we talked to, but I think the, the guy and the girl, like just from so many aspects, like from the guy, I respect her a little more, not in public to be like cop on a feel every possible second. And for her, like respect yourself. So he's not mm. like cop on a feel every possible second. <laughs> so, and I know that's old guy thing, but it just felt like, it felt like any guy thing. Like it felt uh, like if that's how he's treating you, this is not going to go well for the relationship. The <laughs> well, let's pray for that couple. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else this week? Nope. We'll end with that prayer. That's okay. wonderful. It's a beautiful mo- no, moment. Um, you can listen to this podcast, which you've already done. If you've made it this far on the various podcasting services, such as iTunes and Spotify and Google, um, if while you're listening to this podcast, we would really appreciate not not a Venmo tip, but a, a five star rating would be great. Um, then let's see what else can you do. Uh, you can follow or we've got an email if you want to email us, uh, and that is stuff summer says podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at stuff summer says. You can follow Steve at at Steve Sample. And other than that. Have a great week. See ya. Bye.